welcome to it. It is, of course, Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Dr. David Wilcox is with us on the telephone. Doctor, how are you, my friend? Very good, Jiggy. Thanks for having me on today. I so appreciate it. you have got an amazing, amazing book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Handbook for Survival. Tell me a little bit about this book. It's available on Amazon. Yes, it is. It's available up on Amazon. Um, I wrote the book because I want to put care back in healthcare. There's a, a lot of things the American public does not know that's going on in our healthcare system, um, including if you enter a hospital or when you go to pick up your prescription or when you get your insurance claim denial. Uh, there's all kinds of things that people don't know that they can do when they're faced with situations like that, like how to stay safe in a hospital environment, especially now when we have all these clinicians leaving um, due to burnout from COVID. So uh, it's crazy times, and I just wanted to level the playing field and give the layperson a fighting chance as they access the American healthcare system. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. It is an amazing book. Dr. David Wilcox is with us. He joins us live here on our big program. So, Dr. Wilcox, why did you decide to write How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System? Well, healthcare is complex, and that's not an accident. Healthcare is complex because of the, the entities that are vying for your healthcare dollars. They would prefer that you didn't know what was going on. Can you think of anything, Jiggy, that you go to buy that you have no idea what the price of it is going to cost? Anything. But in healthcare, that's the acceptable standard. That's right. Um, you know, you, you're going to get a procedure done. And people don't know that they can access that information, especially if they're self-pay or if they have a high deductible. There's ways to cut down those costs. So, um, for instance, healthcarebluebook.com will give you the price estimate in your local area. Now, where I live, a total knee surgery at a hospital costs about $12,000 if I was going to pay out of pocket. But if I go to an ambulatory surgical center, that cost decreases to $8,000. So the hospitals don't want to be transparent and let you know the cost because if you find that out, you might go to the ambulatory surgical center and and get your surgery done there. Uh, It's just craziness, the kind of stuff we put up with as Americans, and everybody's going to need health care, right? This isn't something that isn't going to affect the people who are listening. Everybody out there is going to need health care at some point in their lives. Well, and one thing that I have always thought is strange, which uh, they don't seem to ever be getting rid of it, because I guess it makes them a lot of money, which that's what it's all about in the end. It's all about the money. Um, Dr. Wilcox, is this this thing that has happened the last, I don't know, six months or so, this mysterious medical billing where <laughs> you go to the hospital, like, for instance, there was a gentleman that, he, this happened several months ago. He went to the hospital. He went to the emergency room. He waited in line and waited in line because, of course, as, as we all know, socialism would be a lot worse than just waiting in line. And he waited <laughs> in line, waited in line, finally couldn't get the care that he needed, and he left. And when he got home, uh, because he had checked in, uh, they went ahead and bailed him anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely amazed that that people are allowed to do this. So here's here's another one, Jiggy. So I know somebody in my local community who was going to the hospital for surgery. 
Okay. This person checked out to make sure everybody was in network so that there wasn't going to be a lot of costs involved. It got it all straightened out, went in for surgery. The anesthesiologist that they grabbed was not in network, and this person got stuck with a $10,000 bill because somebody made that decision. I mean, it's, it's like... How do people get away with this? I mean, that might as well just stick a gun to your head and take your wallet, right? Because it's the same thing. Well, the thing the thing that always gets me, Dr. Wilcox, with this whole thing is I see situations like you just mentioned or the guy that was waiting in the emergency room and then he got his mysterious medical billing. Or I, I, I see some of the different things that happen and then... I sit there and I think about what all the righties always have to say where they go, oh, socialism would ruin the healthcare system. And I'm like, you know, I've seen this with all this horrible stuff going on with, with medical. Maybe we ought to give socialism a try. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what, what they, what they fail to, to understand is that the GDP for healthcare, it's one-fifth of the economy, right? So nobody yes. really wants to fix it. Yeah. And the GDP is up to 19.7%. A lot of that's inflated from COVID. It was at 17.1%. Um, last year, it went up to 197 And so we are spending all this money on healthcare. And of the seven industrialized nations with healthcare, we are dead last in quality outcomes. Dead last. I mean, sure, uh, the Canadian healthcare system has some hiccups, um, or you know, Sweden's healthcare system has some hiccups. But the thing that people don't understand is there's actually a law out there called a non-interference clause in which Medicare can't negotiate drug prices, right? And yes. the politician who put that law into effect is working for a pharmaceutical of company are. on an off-brand type thing and making two million dollars a year. But that costs Americans over $11 billion a year. Well, one of the things that I find absolutely amazing, Dr. Wilcox, by the way, Dr. Wilcox's incredible book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Handbook for Survival, is available on Amazon. One of the things that I thought was, was really interesting and really telling is I believe it was the first, first week, might have been the first full week, of the Donald Trump administration, where he had decided that Americans were getting screwed on this healthcare stuff. And so Bernie Sanders had a bill that they were going to, you know, get healthcare prices down and they were going to buy drugs from Canada or something. And Trump immediately was like, well, we need to get this going. And so he was excited and he was going to get this going. And then as I always like to say, he got a phone call, and then the very next day, oh, magically, he was against it. So, right. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's always so strange. Yeah, well, it's not strange. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies spent $43 million across the aisle in yes. the 2020 election, and they get their return on investment. They are Oh, very much so. Yeah, and everybody thinks that they're making their money off the new drug that they had to do so much research for. By the way, your tax dollars pay for that research um, and development. But they think that that's where they're getting their money when they come out with this really high-priced drug, but it's not. 
It's all those little drugs that people are using, the low pressors, the Crestor, um, those kind of drugs that every January they pop them up above inflation unless there's competition, you know, and they have to, they have to do something different. But for the most part, they're raking it in. 15 to 20% they're giving back to their shareholders almost every single quarter. So, you know, it's crazy because we pay more for medications than any other country. Yes. And this country manufactures the majority of the medications. Well, and the fact that, you know, regardless of what you believe with COVID and all the various things, uh, they made a lot of money on both 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 sides of the coin. They got uh, all the manufacturers got a lot of money from the uh, from the government, and then they've made various money in other spots when it came to the whole pandemic. And I just I'm amazed that the healthcare system in this country continues to just rake it in. Yeah, and you know those drug manufacturers knew that this was a 100-year strategy because the flu shot that's still around that you either take or don't take every year yes. is a variant of the 1918 Spanish flu. So yes. they jumped on this. They know they're going to be raking this in. And so, you know, we're going to hear about boosters for a long time. Oh, yes. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. Dr. Wilcox is with us. He is amazing. And uh, he's one of these guys that gets it. He's not one of these, you know, righties or these lefties. He's, he's, he's kind of down the middle, which is just amazing. And, and they, need to, they need to put you in the cloner because we need more people like you, my friend. Uh, he has developed an incredible book here, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. A Patient's Handbook for Survival. It is available on Amazon. So how exactly do we get away from all this craziness when it comes to the medical industry? Or is it just a case of everybody's pretty much just screwed? Well, um, that is an excellent question. So under the current system, which is called fee-for-service, that means that if you show up at the hospital or at the doctor's office, they're collecting on you and they're making money because you showed up. So what we saw during COVID was when people didn't show up, we, the taxpayers, had to bail out the, the hospitals. What only 25% of Americans know about, and, and this is big, is that there is a different system other than fee-for-service out there, and it's called value-based care. So... Under, like we said, under fee-for-service, you show up, they get paid. You don't show up, they don't get paid. With value-based care, the insurance company works with a group of doctors or a network of doctors to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and give you X amount of dollars to take care of Jiggy's health. And if you can keep him healthy and out of the hospital, you can keep the profit. So now these guys are incentivized. They have some skin in the game. So you start to get those text messages, hey, you're due for your colonoscopy, or hey, you, you need to get your flu shot because these guys know that if you get sick and you go to the hospital, they're the ones paying for it. It's a capitated model, but it works really well. In fact, in the middle of COVID, when we were bailing out hospitals left and right, the value-based care industry made $4.1 billion. They saved $4.1 billion because it didn't matter if you showed up or not. They can hook you up on telehealth. It didn't matter if you came to the office because they were getting money. So it's a much better system. It's one that America really 
really needs to move towards. Because when people, when your doctor is incentivized to keep you healthy, then you're both working together. You're a better partner in your care, and your doctor's paying attention. Well, it is an amazing, amazing book. Dr. Wilcox with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. He's the author of How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a patient's handbook for survival. So with this book, what do you want readers to take away from your writing of this book? Yes. Um, so first of all, the, the main point, I want them to be proactively educated. Man, I cannot tell you how many times I saw people come in the hospital scared to death because now, you know, they're, you're getting meals when they say you're getting meals. And by the way, the foods are really crappy. And, you know, you're in a gown with your backside exposed. And all of a sudden people are trying to give you pills. You don't know what they are. So what I really want Americans to understand is proactive education will increase their chances of getting safer patient care. Up until COVID, medical errors were the third leading cause of death. That's craziness. Um, and, you know, and so you're seeing this Rodonda, this nurse that, that gave a medication that killed somebody in Nashville, Tennessee. She's going to be sentenced tomorrow, actually, um, for reckless homicide and um, abuse of an impaired elder. And so the hospitals encourage medical staff to report medical errors. And so these medical errors, when they happen, they can dig into them and find out where did the system break down. And in this case, she may, she may actually do jail time over this. Wow. So this is setting medical reporting back about 20 years. So that's even more, it's even more important you get this book and educate yourself because there are nurses now who are, when things happen, they're going to keep their mouth shut like that doctor that recently was charged for 14 homicides because he was giving huge doses of fentanyl to patients um, and, and ending their lives. And he didn't say a word and he got acquitted. So watch out Americans because medical reporting is something that's, that is essential for us to understand where the gaps in care are. Medical errors being the third leading cause of death prior to COVID, you got to be educated. And that's really what I want. I want to touch as many people as I can with this knowledge that they're ready for when they have to access the American health care system or they get the insurance claim denial or they go to the pharmacy and they tell them they want $500 for a prescription. That's, that's the main goal of um, this book. We have got a great guest with us today. Dr. Wilcox is with us here on our big broadcast, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a patient's handbook for survival. Um, one of the things that the righties constantly <laughs> constantly talk about is oh my god if we had medicare for all we'd be in, we'd be socialist oh my god socialism and the thing that i don't understand about all this is that i know a lot of people who are of elderly or disabled who have medicaid and medicare and they don't have any issues um is it just the fact that the pharmaceutical industry has paid all these people off? Is that what's going on? Can you hear me? I've got you, my friend. I'm 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 raring to go. We've got you. Oh boy, we've lost. Can you hear me? I've got you, my friend. You're right here with us. We've got you. Apparently, we don't. Okay, that's always good. Okay. We are. 
I always love asking questions and then the guest doesn't hear a goddamn thing. It's always fun. Okay, let's try this again here. Okay, we are going to go back to the phone. I think Dr. Wilcox is back with us. So, doctor, can you hear us now, my friend? Are you live? Can we hear you? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, perfect. So, um, how do we get away from this system in the United States? Because I always hear, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, I always hear the righties talk about, oh, my God. If we go to Medicaid and Medicare and Medicare for all, it's going to be socialism. It's going to ruin the world, all this stuff. I know a lot of people who are elderly or disabled and they have Medicaid and they have Medicare and there's no problems. Um, how do we get to this point? Because, for instance, um, I think it was, it was Jimmy Dore, I believe, last year who wanted to do a thing called Force the Boat. And... He wanted to get the Democrats, since they ran all the houses of uh, government, to vote on Medicare for All so we could figure out who were the ones that were taking money and vote them out. And all the various Democrats were like, no, 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 we can't do force the vote. We can't do this. We can't do this. My thing is, is that if we could get on the record who's for Medicare for All and who's not, then we know those are the folks that are being paid off by the pharmaceutical and medical industry. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm with you 100% on that. The, the only thing that I would say about Medicare for all is that Medicare only pays 80%. Yes. So you, that leaves a 20% gap. So you have to have gap insurance and Medicare for all is basically um, the model that you would have to have to set it up. But there are a lot of entities that are vying for your health care dollars, so... Big Pharma doesn't want that to happen, right? They don't want you negotiating low pressure for the entire country. Um, the insurance companies definitely don't want that to happen because they can keep everything pretty much from being price transparent no matter what law is in place. In fact, there is a price transparency law in place, and only, and only 15% of the hospitals have actually made any move towards showing you what the prices are on the web for various procedures. Other 85 haven't done it. Um, it's not... So I don't know if we could get to Medicare for all, and that's why I talk about value-based care. I think um, when you have a capitated model and the doctor's got to work with the patient, I think that's what's going to get us safer, um, better care, where they're proactively looking out for us. Um, be, and the numbers actually show that. So, um, But Medicare for all, I don't know if this country will ever be able to do it. I mean, we're so divided politically, it'd, it'd be... It's a big uphill battle for that one. One of the things that I know that everybody and their brother, um, you know, had this issue with uh, with Trump. They were all like, oh, my God, Donald Trump, he's going to, you know, destroy the earth and all this. And uh, everybody was all, oh, my God. But one of the things that I thought was great that Trump did is he got rid of that weird thing in Obamacare, which... I don't know why they call it Obamacare, because it's Romney Care, because it was written by the Heritage Foundation, and they just slapped Obama's name on it, yep. but whatever. Um, <laughs> they got rid of that mandated, if you don't have, a, if you don't have a, the, their insurance, you got to pay a fine, which I always thought was a big scam. Um, what, what do you think of that 
that whole health care that they passed, because I know that when Biden was running, um, worst to first, as I like to call him, said, um, well, he was going to expand on Obamacare and uh, he was going to call it Biden care, which he must have forgotten to do that because he haven't, hasn't done that yet. But I, I, what, what, what do you think about the whole health care system with, in regards to, to quote-unquote Obamacare? So prior to Obamacare, insurance companies could select who they were going to insure because insurance is a business in which they want to take the money in, but they don't necessarily want to pay it out. And yes. if you're really sick and you're switching insurance, it's back then they could call it a pre-existing condition and you <laughs> wouldn't be able to get insurance. The, the other piece of that, too, was they were only obligated to spend 60% to 65% of the money that they received on health care. Obamacare changed that because now they have to spend 85% on actual health care um, so what they did to adjust their margins was they raised the rates. And, and, you know, everybody blamed Obama, but it was really the insurance companies who did that in reaction because now they had to cover everybody. They had to cover kids until they were 26. They had to cover people on dialysis, very costly, right? Um, so that's basically what happened. I think that we're much better off with Obamacare than we were prior to it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm glad that there is something. I just hate the fact that you know it was it was originally a Mitt Romney plan in Utah, and then they rewrote a few things and went, "Oh, it's Obamacare," (laughs) and and everybody went, "Well, this is the greatest thing ever," and then they made people who weren't on the insurance pay the fine or pay the fee. So that 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 was always my issue with with it, but I'm I'm glad that there is something because it's better than having nothing. Yeah, and you see what happens with unregulated industries like the pharmaceutical company; they can charge whatever they want. And yes. if you're really sick, man, you're going to pay. In fact, I I got consulted this week on a guy who they prescribed an oral chemo drug for, and the insurance company. There's a little entity that sits between the pharmaceutical company and the insurance company called a pharmacy benefit manager. And that pharmacy benefit manager said, no, we're not going to pay for it unless this person drives two hours to the hospital and they administer it there. It's an oral pill, right? So there's no reason to do that. And that would have been four hours out of that very sick person's day every day. So they consulted me to say, you know, what else can we do? We're getting denied left and right. And I told them, I said, one little known fact that your oncologist can do is he can call that insurance company and ask for a peer-to-peer review, meaning he gets to talk to a doctor there. No more of these pharmacy benefit managers saying, oh, it's too costly, or here's, here's how we're going to cover it. These guys don't even have any medical training. A little too none, and they're making these decisions. But if you're really sick, it's going to cost you money because that industry is unregulated. And so we're still working to get this guy's oral chemo drug, um, because that's the best for his outcome. The other drug that he could use would make him sicker than all get out. He would have to be an inpatient in the hospital to get it. And, uh, you know, it's, they just don't, they've taken the care out of health care. Yes. These insurance companies. Yes, they have. The pharmaceutical companies, they take the care out of health care. You know, that's not why I got into health care. I got into health care to take care of people. Yes. I feel like it's a calling. 
Uh, and so, again, that's why I wrote the book, because I want to take care of people so that they understand what's going on. They know what to do when they run into these situations. Well, Doctor, I appreciate you making time for us today. The book is How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a Patient's Handbook for Survival. It's available on Amazon. Thank you, Doctor, and I definitely would love to have you back and uh, chat with you more about this topic. Thanks for coming on today, my friend. Sure, and you can actually access my website at drdavidwilcox.com. That's drdavidwilcox.com. Fantastic. Well, Doctor, have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jiggy. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Brother, there he goes. There we go. It is this week's edition of our big broadcast. And we just been getting calls, and we're going to take care of the calls. But uh, that wraps it up for me.